You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm not joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. Unavailable today, feeling a little under the weather, so we hope John feels a little bit better. Joining me is Mr. Replacement. He replaces anyone on any podcast at any time. It's our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steven Serta. Steve, how is the offseason treating you so far? It's been great. I could use a little bit more Chiefs news to uh, mm-hmm. keep us busy, um, but it's been fine. And really, this is I had it's been a while since I've been on like a full length podcast because I just kind of in the off season I kind of let our draft guys take things over right. and you know just kind of fill in like you mentioned here and there. But it's been a while since I've done like a full length podcast, so I might be mm-hmm. a little out of practice. Yeah i I tend to think for you especially this is a riding your bike type exercise i'm i don't i don't predict any rust i i think you're gonna be (laughs) you're gonna be fine here steve we do miss john but uh we're assuming he'll he'll be back in the mix next week nothing to to worry about there we have a news roundup for you we have a segment after the break just talking about some of the things that people are saying that might impact the chiefs as we get ready for the nfl draft right here in kansas city at the end of the month, as we do on every Arrowhead Pride editor's show, we have some reviews in. You guys heard me last week. As, as you know, if you go to Apple iTunes and you leave a rating and a review, we will read it right here on the editor's show. So we got two in. The first from Daniel. The editor's show is my favorite podcast when it comes to football news. Pete Sweeney always has good takes on relevant Chiefs topics, and he is Clearly, the only reporter who knows how to ask Coach Reed a proper question. I mean, I'll take it. I don't know about that, but thank you, Daniel. (laughs) Daniel continues. But even better than Pete is his esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. So you know that Daniel has now shut off the podcast. Uh, The timbre of John's baritone voice is only superseded by his excellent takes, whether it be the latest on Uncle Dave's influence on the roster cuts or the intricacies of the latest contract signed by a new chief. I only ask that you would produce more editor shows every week. Keep them coming. Go Chiefs. Sincerely, the Swede, Daniel Miller. I do like that nickname. He spells a D-A capital S-W-E-D-E, Steve. So we'll take it. I don't know if we're going to do more editor shows. I'm not going to commit to that. But look, <laughs> Steve's right here. I, I can see him. Uh, and we, we will take it under consideration. We have another review from K.J. Brown. I like the editor show for NFL news. The worst part about the off season is the fake mock drafts. I find mock drafts useless. <laughs> the editor show uh, does report the results of given mock drafts. And I can tolerate that. If a podcast has mock draft in the title, I don't even listen. Pete Sweeney does a good job navigating the slow time off season in the NFL. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the off season, but it's, it's been especially slow for the Kansas city chiefs. I, I really thought heading into this offseason that they may find a way, whether it be through the guarantee mechanisms of Patrick Mahomes or reworking some contracts, maybe an extension for Chris Jones, which we'll talk about in the, in the second segment. They might have had more room, Steve, but it just doesn't seem like that. It, it seems like another offseason of being very careful with the cap, at, at least to this point. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Like we're kind of complaining about it because when you go back and look at last offseason, they trade Tyreek Hill and there's all this kind of excitement and anxiousness around what the Chiefs are going to be doing without that superstar Hall of Fame caliber player anymore. And 
now we've just all kind of, you know, it was like a couple of big signings, a couple of small things here and there. And we've all just kind of been sitting around waiting for this draft, hoping that the chiefs are going to make a big splash. And I think they are. I, I think, I think dra- the draft is going to be really exciting here in Kansas city. Well, they have 10 picks, so they had a, a lot of ammo to work with. I know that you guys have been hearing the, the strategies of our great film team, our great draft team that they've been sharing right here on the Airhead Pod podcast network, but I, I don't anticipate them using 10 picks. So I have my eyes on the Chiefs to be trading up all weekend. You know, you just think about the amount of young talent on this team. There's just not enough roster spots to feel like they're going to be able to sign a draft class or want to sign a draft class of 10. So I expect Brett Veach, as I've said on previous shows, to be selectively aggressive. And I, I still think, you know, if I'm I'm betting something here, I'm trying to, to go out and uh, a whim and, and, and give you a take. I, I think they trade up in the first round for a position to need somewhere in that Let's 15 go. to 25 range. That that seems to be my my sweet spot for the Chiefs right now. And I, I think they'll feel the same way when we get to it. But the draft is two weeks away, so. We will round up the news that we do have right now coming out of one Arrowhead Drive, or I guess I should say, right, this is a popular term in in Chiefs Kingdom, calling something Arrowhead and then giving a direction. And I think that Arrowhead South is the state of Texas at this stage in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. As Patrick Mahomes is organizing pass catchers in Texas, we know this through some fairly ominous signs through social media of Mahomes throwing to receivers that Chiefs fans have recognized. Among the receivers, Steve, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, Amir Smith-Marset, and the ever-popular, the man, the myth, the legend. Look behind the curtain. It's Justin Ross. This is a a player. I I want to focus on Ross to start this part of our conversation, Steve. <laughs> Uh, that's I should. have not I have not I'm going to be going into my 10th season you'll hear me say that a lot as we go into year 2023 here I have not and I cannot recall a player who has not played a down of football in the NFL uh, and really had such a questionable ending to his college career have this much hype the Chiefs fans, and I know some of you are out there listening, you love seeing Ross videos pop up. You love seeing him run up that hill. When Mahomes is caught throwing to Justin Ross, I, I know you love it, and I I just can't see it still. Uh, but look, we, we have to cover it because, it, Steve, it's become such a topic among you know, Chiefs Twitter and I'm sure Chiefs fans as they discuss uh, when you have a holiday weekend like last weekend or, or in their bar or at restaurants with friends, Steve. I'm honestly surprised that it took videos of Patrick Mahomes working out with him in Texas and throwing him passes for it to really ramp up. Cause there was a little bit of the chatter. Well, just wait till Justin Ross, you know, is healthy and the chiefs turn him into a wide receiver one. And I mean, that being said, Justin Ross body type and his player profile fits exactly what the chiefs need in a wide receiver. And so you know, all these veterans getting signed, Odell Beckham going somewhere else. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is still up in the air and we'll see what happens with him. But I, I mean, Justin Ross is a guy on the roster who fits what they need in that kind of outside wide receiver. It it's, doesn't make you feel good if they go into the season with it like that. Like if they don't even take a wide receiver in the draft and they just go into it with Justin Ross. But I mean, if he winds up being a playmaker and being a guy that is impactful for them, that's a pretty cool story. I'm just shocked that it's taken this long for the Justin Ross train to really get going because we didn't get to see him at all last year. Yeah, it it is. It has been a, a strange circumstance. I, you know, everyone has a projection on on this guy. And, and the idea was that had his Clemson career not been interrupted in 2020 with the spinal surgery, he would have been a clear-cut first-round pick. Again, it, you know, if you don't remember, he returns to Clemson in 2021. That year is shortened by a foot issue, which popped up in Kansas City again last offseason. So they did shut him down uh, again, had surgery. They, they put him on injured reserve. I imagine it was to build up strength. I have to be honest here. Again, I, I saw him last camp, and I wasn't, the biggest believer. I mean, I was there every day, but 
You did have Travis Kelsey on social media hyping him up about making a one-handed catch at practice. You saw it, and that only, I, I think, enhanced the hype. I I would love I know you, I know you hear a lot of people say this, but I would love to be wrong about this. But even when he was at his healthiest last year in camp, it just looked like the game was a you know a tick or two too fast for Justin Ross. Maybe it was the injury thing, which I I guess we'll see when we start to see these workouts because we're you know about a month or so removed where we're, we're going to get about one look a week, and then I I get to go to all three days of, of mandatory mini camp. But I I don't. You know, I caution you to just be banking on, yeah, it's okay, Juju Smith-Schuster went to New England Patriots because we have Justin Ross. Like, if you want to tell me, hey, it's okay that Juju is a Patriot now because I believe in Sky Moore. Shout out to our, our guy, guy, Coast to Coast, Mark Gunnels, who is uh, the biggest Moore fan, I, I think, on the planet based upon some of his tweets. Like, if you want to tell me that, all right, I'll sit down at the table. I'm just... I just don't see it with Ross being a, a proper answer. How do how can anyone know that or, or feel that at this stage? Well, I, I mean, I'm going to hope that because I remember you saying that last year during training camp, we were doing like those daily camp reports. And I remember you being like, yeah, yeah, he just doesn't really look like he doesn't stand out. Like He's not a guy <laughs> that's like flashing anything. And I know, I guess I, I'm hopeful that. It was the foot injury that sidelined him for the whole season and that he was still trying to kind of work through. But I mean, there's a chance with his injury history and everything that he's gone through in his career so far that he's just never quite going to be the same player like that. That that mm -hmm. is a, a realistic <laughs> circumstance that we have to acknowledge here. But if the Chiefs wind up not taking a wide receiver in the draft or, you know, e even trying to bring in another veteran that you feel a little bit more comfortable with, like. MVS, we know exactly who he is as a player. And Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, I don't think have hit their NFL ceilings yet. Like, I still think that they have a lot of upside. But there's enough there for you to be legitimately worried if that's your group of wide receivers going into next season. Yeah, I I go to the other receivers that are down there because I just don't want to spend the, the whole few minutes here just talking about Ross. You add MVS and Sky Moore and Jody Fordson, which you'd have to imagine each of those guys are going to have bigger roles for the chiefs this year. Now that Juju is no longer the chief and they haven't really filled, filled that role. Good to see Smith Marset, I think in that mix as well. And this plays right into what becomes our, our next topic, uh, by the way, phase one starts on April 17th. So ultimately Steve, good to see that Mahomes is even ahead of camp Pat. This is like the training camp for, for camp Pat. He's, he's ahead of the, the cusp. Uh, getting the guys together even before uh, they start their virtual meetings with the coaching staff, um, which we anticipate will begin next Monday. And usually that does come with a press conference, by the way, but not to, not to get off uh, the beaten path here. Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, Smith Marset and Ross and, and sticking with Smith Marset, the chiefs signed wide receiver, Richie James uh, this week as Odell Beckham jr. That dream ends. He ends up going to, the Baltimore Ravens on $15 million guaranteed more on that in a second. But I think Smith Marset and James give you some interesting returner options in what is now the post Tyree kill and McColl Hardman era. I know that last year it was Pacheco and it was Kadarius Tony. I tend to think Kadarius Tony is going to be the punt returner. I said this, Steve, if you remember last year, I kept on wondering why, you had your starting running back, which is very clearly at this stage, Isaiah Pacheco as your returner. So I wonder if these guys get an opportunity that, you know, this year and Richie James, who comes to the chiefs after a year with the the giants, he does have some of that, I think wide receiver four, five, six type of upside after posting McCall Hardman like numbers over 500 yards. I believe he had four touchdowns in the last few weeks of the season uh, with the New York giants. Yeah, and I think that Richie James is like a – he's just a depth signing. I don't think that – you know, we just yeah. talked about the wide receivers, and I, I didn't bring him up because he still had to mention that the Chiefs signed him, but I, I just don't think that – he's not a difference maker. He's not – like you mentioned, he's like a wide receiver five, wide receiver six kind of player, and he played a ton of snaps for the Giants last year and was uh, reasonably productive in an offense that – 
you know, didn't really offer much uh, outside of Saquon Barkley because their pass catchers were just bad. And so like uh, his snap count and the, and the numbers that he put up last season while being okay, like it, it, it's really more a product of the wide receiver group that they had in New York, which was pretty bad last season. Like Darius Slayton was probably their best wide receiver. Unless you think that Isaiah Hodgins was that dude. And then they had the rookie Wandale Robinson who wound up getting hurt. And, you know, they trade T- Kadarius Tony to the chiefs. Like their pass catchers just weren't very good. But Richie James is like a, an Andy Reid Chiefs, like typical kind of like camp body wide receiver who's got a good chance to, you know, maybe find like a special teams role and, and maybe get worked into the offense. But he's not a guy who's going to come in and be like an immediate starter or anything like that for the Chiefs. I found this, this interesting about Richie James comes in at 5'10, 183 pounds in the draft a few years ago, ended up going to the the 49ers, a 4.48 40-yard dash. If you reference mock draftable, which gives you these comparisons, the one that sticks out the most for James in particular was Darnell Mooney, who I think is a player who who does have upside, but more interesting, and this was a little bit less of a fit. So if Darnell Mooney was an 83.5% fit for James, Albert Wilson, who will be familiar to Chiefs fans, came in at a 79.7% um, comparison on on mock draftable and i can imagine maybe this is that type of guy a little bit undersized that you you're going to see what head coach andy reid somehow make the most out of and maybe it'll fool a team and you know eventually giving him a a bigger contract but i like the depth signing by the chiefs the simple fact is and you know i say this carefully i like i'm not panicked about what the chiefs are doing at wide receiver however they do need bodies like this. And sometimes you see them throw a lot of bodies at certain positions heading into training camp and, you know, training camp at that position becomes a big five man. You know, we're going to keep five or six of you guys type of melee to see who can emerge and make the roster. Like last year, that player ended up being Justin Watson. I know that a lot of people wanted it to be Justin Ross before he was placed on injured reserve, but it ended up being Justin Watson. And I know I think, you have some depth guys there and the chiefs are going to see who, who wins those end of the room jobs. And I, I think you could say almost certainly Steve, right? Like there's going to be a receiver in here from the NFL draft. Now, whether or not it's one of those premium picks that that's the part that remains to be seen. Yeah. And I mean, I hope that they do take a wide receiver and this isn't, you know, this isn't a great wide receiver draft class. Like there's plenty of red flags across the board with this group of pass catchers, but I think I kind of tend to think this might just be the world the Chiefs are kind of living in right now with the wide receivers. Like when you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Travis Kelsey, who's still playing at an all world level, like they're just like, get us reliable guys, get us guys who can stay on the field and get us guys who can, you know, be where we want them to be. And we'll see with Kadarius Tony, we saw like last season he was kind of a role guy where when he's on the field, he's getting the ball because we're designing things for him specifically, but we're not throwing the whole offensive playbook at him because he came in mid season and he's just not going to learn Andy Reid's offense that fast. But I, I do think that over the last two years now we're seeing these value signings and even, you know, Juju and MVS were value signings compared to what wide receivers are getting on the market right now. And Justin Watson was productive for you last season. Justin Watson had some big games as a Kansas city chief. And like you mentioned, Pete, I think this is just kind of where the chiefs are at right now, where I'm not sure we're going to see them pay like top of market value for a wide receiver anytime soon, as opposed to finding these value signings like Richie James, like Justin Watson last year and and trying to find guys who fit what you need them to do and just having bodies to throw at it all the time. So you're never shorthanded. Like, I I think that's where we're at because the chiefs just know Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to make these guys productive. Like what they got out of Justin Watson last season, you're not getting that from Justin Watson in most NFL offenses that don't have like elite quarterback play. Yeah. And I, I think that was a a question about Mahomes headed into last year. Not only did, did the chiefs have it, I think the whole league had it right because Brady did this when he was looked at it at the beginning of his career. It's like, can Brady do it with the next group of receivers? Is it Brady or is it the, the pass catchers? And when you trade Tyree kill still one of the best receivers in the, in this game today, 
you begin to wonder, all right, how is that going to impact Pat? Well, they won a Super Bowl. So that question has been answered. Now, I, I don't think you want to get into a scenario that Aaron Rodgers facing Green Bay, speaking of complete disasters, uh, where you are not supplying him any talent ever. But I think it's understandable as you manage the cap, as you manage these big salaries, that if you give Mahomes just enough, that's going to be just enough to win the damn championship. And I, I think that's OK in the long run. I really would like to see the Chiefs draft a receiver, which I I do believe they intend to. Back to Odell just for a second, Steve. Man, the Ravens. I, I You know, you look at these teams in the AFC who are, are trying to compete and you can make a case that the Ravens and Jets are both there if they can just get their quarterback situations settled. But the Ravens, who have not locked up Lamar Jackson long term, go in and give Odell Beckham Jr. 15 million guaranteed, including a signing bonus of 13.8 mil. Now, I had seen some people around the league getting on the Jets about not being more aggressive here because he was intending on going to New York and meeting with the Jets. And then the Ravens came in with the money. The Jets didn't miss out here. I do not think that paying Odell Beckham Jr. this amount of money after being injured for an entire season is a good route to go down. And if you're wondering, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs were never, ever going to give him anything close to this. When Odell was coming out on social media and saying, I, I'm not asking for 20, but I need more than four. I think it's a pretty decent bet that maybe the Chiefs were that like four mil plus you can get up to this amount with incentives, similar to what you saw with Juju last year. And that would have been a good deal for the Chiefs. But Odell, 13 million signing bonus, 15 million guaranteed, all these voided years with the cap hit for Baltimore being 11 million next year. I think that's a, a big no thank you. And, and the Chiefs, right, Steve, were, and the Jets and every other team that's not the Ravens were right for, for staying out of the Odell sweepstakes. Yeah, I don't understand what Baltimore's doing here at all this offseason. And, you know, the Ravens are one of those organizations that we praise them every year for how intelligent they are at drafting and managing the cap and building compensatory picks and doing all of that stuff. And for the most part, they've been successful at it for a really long time. But Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback that they've ever had in their franchise history. <laughs> And to spend this much money on Odell when, you know, I, I do think it, it seems pretty clear that other NFL teams aren't going to offer up these two first round picks to make a deal with Lamar Jackson, that it's going to inevitably just lead to him staying in Baltimore and then working something out eventually. But I mean, they're just making a lot of assumptions and I don't think that this is good business and this is a good move by the Chiefs. Like if that was the cost to sign him, I have to imagine the Ravens were offering more than anybody else was because it seems crazy to offer him that much money. Then it's a, it's a smart move by general manager Brett Veach and the Chiefs to avoid that because that's not the kind of contract you want to carry. And I know it's only a one year deal, but it's still a lot of money. For a guy who hasn't been super productive for a really long time, and he's got two ACL tears in the last three seasons, and a, a player who by every every test, eye test, whatever that we try to gauge these guys with, is probably past his prime, is not the same elite caliber yeah. player that he used to be. And so you're banking on Rashad Bateman, who I think is a talented player, but has not played very much in his first two NFL seasons. And Odell, like, being enough to put the Ravens over the top. And I just don't see that being the case. Yeah, I know I know some fans were wanting maybe Adam Thielen and, and certainly Beckham. And I, I, th I think now this deal ends Beckham ever becoming a chief. Bradley just doesn't like leaning into guys and giving them, and, and I'm oh. assuming Beckham will want a three- or four-year deal after this, a 30-year-old, that type of contract. And guess what? It has worked. So... And even with DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, and him saying like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'd work out uh, less money on a deal. Well, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's 31 years old right now. DeAndre Hopkins still isn't sitting there telling himself, yeah, I'm a, I'm a $6 million a year wide receiver. Like DeAndre Hopkins still thinks that he deserves 15 million a year too. And I just don't think that those are smart deals to sign with 30 plus year old wide receivers. The most fascinating stories in the NFL always have to do with quarterbacks, and you're seeing two of these quarterback leverage situations in the AFC. We talked about the Jets. 
I respect the Jets defense, and I, I think they're going to be a very interesting team if they can get this Aaron Rodgers thing worked out. They're going back and forth with the Packers. The other one is obviously Lamar Jackson versus the Baltimore Ravens. And I saw this story over the weekend. And did you know this, Steve, that Lamar Jackson and Odell were spotted in Miami partying together because now they're they're teammates? Lamar, this is not how you maintain leverage. Did you expect nobody to see these signs in Miami and use their cell phones to take a picture of the sign that says Odell and Lamar, welcome to to Miami? And you, after basically bluffing very clearly against the Ravens and saying they don't know my value, goodbye, Baltimore. Look, uh, I think Baltimore has seen (laughs) pictures that TMZ posted of you partying with your teammate, as, as described. Uh, um, Odell Beckham Jr. And so I think it's subtle. You know, I think it is a little bit of a silly story, Steve, when you you bring up TMZ. But very clearly, you want to now stay in Baltimore. If this was a ploy to get you back to the table, it is is very clearly worked, Steve. Yeah, I think it just says that inevitably they're going to work out a deal. And I think Lamar spends most of his offseason in Miami. But yeah, it's and really, they there was a report when Odell signed with Baltimore that you know he was doing it under the assumption that Lamar Jackson was going to be there, which we haven't had any reason to think that he's not going to be a Raven at some point this season, mm-hmm. especially after several teams uh, basically unprompted just came out and said, no, we're not in on Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so I, he's going to be a Baltimore Raven. It's just a matter of them working out a deal. But I'm starting to question the Baltimore Ravens moves and just – general operation compared to uh past years where I, I never questioned it and you know they've got a new general manager after having ozzy newsome for like 20 years now they've got eric DaCosta, and i'm finally starting to be like oh there's some red flags going on in baltimore with what they're trying to do right now i think at the very least he plays this year on the on the tag i just don't see him sitting out so if he does have to go the Kirk Cousins route and just continue to push this down the, the path until he is free, I I think he ends up doing it. But yeah, I, you know, I, I think he will certainly be a, a Baltimore Raven. I don't, I don't see that changing. Uh, we talked a little bit about Tyree kill before Steve uh, Tyree continues to stir the pot when it comes to the, the chiefs and the dolphins. He said when it comes to Arrowhead stadium, he's going to be doing the peace sign. Uh, against y'all and he goes he, he hates to do it but he's going to be the worst enemy of the chiefs that that day you better change the signals he knows every signal the chiefs have and then chris jones actually weighed in and he said the only peace sign he's throwing up is walking to the bus after the game <laughs> which i i happen to enjoy and then tyree kill later he quote tweeted a, a video of what it really, I, I, for lack of better terms, it described it looks like a really big fat baboon, like, uh, um, and it, he's eating fruit. And Tyreek Hill quote tweeted that and said that this is Chris Jones in the offseason and uh, alluding to the fact that all Chris Jones does all the offseason is eat snacks. Uh, so if, if you didn't think that Chiefs and Dolphins and Hill versus the Chiefs was big enough, it, it's already getting bigger before we even have a date for the game. When do you think they'll put this game, Steve, it, Chiefs and Chiefs and Dolphins uh, at Arrowhead? I would hope this is an early season game. Um, like, uh, yeah, you know, like one of those early like September games, because I think like even though Miami is interesting and with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, and they've made a lot of moves this off season to try to shore up that defense, but like they're an interesting team. And we saw last season, they can be fun and they can put up a lot of points, but this is a game that I want to see not played in cold weather. Like I want to see both of these teams and a nice September football game where they can just go back and forth on a sunny day at Arrowhead stadium and that I think will be a lot of fun. So I want to see this as an early season game, but yeah, just based on the fact that the Dolphins are going to be competitive, they're going to be a, a potential playoff team. I would have to imagine it's probably going to be like mid season or later in the year. Yeah, I, I recall Chris Jones was the one to bring up Burrowhead on three separate occasions ahead of the AFC title game. So I don't I don't think he'll be shy as we know that Tyreek Hill will be talking about this game 
heading into it when whenever uh, it will be. I think that based upon what Hill has done since leaving the Chiefs, he has worked his way into heavy booze. I think if he had just <laughs> remained quiet and, and grateful and said, look, this was a business decision. And you know, let's be honest, he sound he signed a very lucrative contract. And if we're all being honest with ourselves, we all would not have turned down the situation that Tyreek Hill signed up for. And and had he just moved on and continued to put up dazzling numbers, remember second in the league in receiving last year, this would have been fine. I think he comes back to Arrowhead, that they play a video and Chiefs fans cheer him, but I just I think he's in for some booze if when he, he comes has- back. If he has like a 75 yard touchdown and, and throws up the peace sign and people boo, I don't think that they should do that. Um, you know, this is a guy that helped you win a Super Bowl. This is a guy that was on a Hall of Fame trajectory before he left Kansas City and, and and still is based on his performance last year where he had the best statistical season of his career with the Dolphins because they were just feeding him. He was just getting like 20 targets a game. But I, I also think that I don't think that any Chiefs players take any of this seriously. I think that they know that's just Tyreek Hill and that's how and that's how he kind of treats everything. And this is kind of how he likes to mess with people, because you know, we've we covered Tyreek Hill for a long time, Pete. And, you know, you could see his personality in the locker room and, and on the practice field and stuff like that, even though the Chiefs didn't necessarily let him do a lot of stuff and didn't really put him at the podium a lot and didn't really let him do a lot of interviews and things like that. And now since he's been in Miami, they're letting him do that stuff. So we're kind of seeing more of that personality in the public eye compared to where I think we always knew he had that personality just covering him, but the chiefs were never really big on letting him get with the media and do a lot of this kind of stuff. I'm just excited for the schedule, Steve. If you really look at this schedule this year, when it comes to, like the storylines of this, the the things that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid want to talk nothing about. You have just a lot of like grudgy type of matchups this year. When you think about okay, the division, the division is what it is, right? It 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 continues to try to reinvent themselves to to stop Patrick Mahomes. But you got a a new quarterback in Vegas. You have L.A. and Denver. Denver, I think, even though they haven't won since I was in my twenties um, against the Chiefs. They have Sean Payton now, which has injected some life into to those two games. You have the Bills, who, I mean, at this point, they are a little brother to the Chiefs, but you know that game is going to be their Super Bowl as usual. Um, and I know any game against the Bengals for them will be that way too. Miami is building itself. You have Chicago, which is one of the more exciting players in the game in Justin Fields, and you have Ryan Poles coming back to try to beat the team that, that he spent so many years, three GM regimes for Ryan Poles, the GM. The Bengals, now featuring Orlando Brown Jr., you have a Super Bowl rematch with the Eagles, a playoff rematch with the Jags. You might finally get Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes with the New York Jets, and you have the Patriots on the schedule, which is another team that continues to build itself. It's Bill Belichick versus Andy Reid. And now you have the juju factor. It's There are only a handful of games on this schedule where you really look at and you say, there's no clear-cut storyline. Lions, we think that game's going to be in Germany, which will be fascinating in its own right. I know that there were reports about the Bears. I, I do not believe it's going to be the Bears. That's just me from my talkings with people. I, wow. I still remain. I still think it's going to be the Lions. And then the Vikings, it, it doesn't have as much juice. And, of course, the Packers, when they lose Aaron Rodgers, doesn't have much juice. But you take away those three games, Lions, Packers, and Vikings, against the NFC North, you can really build a case for some very interesting storylines for every other game uh, of this season. Well, and, like, the Lions, like, that's not a throwaway game anymore. Like, the no. Lions are one of the most intriguing teams this offseason. I think they're going to be legitimately good next season. And, you know, last year, remember how – all see all off season. Oh man, the Chiefs have just the most brutal schedule that we've ever mm-hmm. seen, and it doesn't really seem like it's letting up this season. Like it's no. still a pretty tough schedule, but that's kind of that's the world you live in when you win Super Bowls and you win divisions every single year. Will be fun when we get to it again. That is that is months away, but I I I can see it now, Stephen. And, and don't grimace here, but pretty soon we're going to get those 100 days till opening night. Uh, it's it's not as far off as you think. I believe we're only 
a hundred and change, hundred and forty somewhere in that range till till opening night. I don't know the exact day. Uh, speaking of opening night and, and entering a, a year two, George Karloftis spotted doing jujitsu with Tamba Ali. Do you care, Steve? Sure. I, I mean, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think when you just see young players, like when you just see them working in the offseason um, at all, you're like, yes, yes, because we mm. need him to take the next step. We need George to, you know, he showed some signs as a rookie, but we need him to really take that next step and be a, a, an impactful player on a weekly basis. And you read into a lot of this stuff, but like the jujitsu thing with Tom Ali is a real thing. Like, like he had the, some of the best seasons of his career after he started studying jujitsu and, you know, how to use his hands and, and stuff and the way that it translated to pass rushing in the NFL. So I, I think you should just be excited that you saw enough from George Karloftis to think that he can be a difference maker down the line and that he's doing it with a former like chiefs legend in Tom Ali. Yeah, I, I've been doing it for a, a long time here, and you know, if you've been following me a long time, my early years yeah. are with the chief, with the Chiefs, and covering Tamba. And I just remember being at training camp and being with Chiefs.com. We stay in, I think, an adjacent dorm to what the players stay in, but we use and we were allowed to use some of the facilities when the Chiefs were not using them. So when they weren't weightlifting, I remember going to to get a workout in when we were in St. Joe because you know, again, we we would stay there, and. The way that St. Joe is built, there, there's a weight room that's off the facility field, Steve. And so I was. this is a long time ago. I mean, it has to be seven, eight years, whatever ago. I remember working out and, and looking through the glass, and I'm like, who is that man, huge man, in a black, <laughs> dark black karate outfit like that looks like a robe rolling around in the, the <laughs> grass after hours? Lo and behold, it was just Tamba Ali just doing – for lack of better terms, some jujitsu stuff and getting in that extra work. And I think more than the jujitsu that impresses me here is just George Karloftis and his willingness to do anything to get better. I think this was something, and, and sometimes it's a cliche, sometimes it's real, where you have a player and on draft night, Brett Beach and his cronies, the rest of the personnel men that you know go and, and scout the players in the, in the draft, and they're they're just like, well, he loves the game and loves ball. Like to me, that that's what's really cool about George Karloftis is he literally is nonstop. Like Frank Clark, before he was released last year, would say this: like Karloftis is almost annoying asking him questions. And shoot, for a, a second-year player, that's just a sign of of someone that wants to be great. And he had a great end to his season with the five and a half sacks in the last seven games. So this is him doing anything and everything to make sure that that continues and and he continues to roll heading into twenty twenty three. Travis Kelsey threw a pitch out in Cleveland. <laughs> no, you're most of you are not Guardians fans. We we like we like the lowly Royals here. Throwing it out in Cleveland because he's of course from Cleveland Heights. The year of Travis Kelsey continues. Steve, this was one of the worst first pitches I have ever seen. I, it 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 dropped four feet in front of him. Of course, Kelsey goes on to to quote tweet that he's been spiking footballs all his life, and that's why he <laughs> he spiked the ball. Now, I I'm not going to pretend that I would be able to like Man. to necessarily do anything better. It's a lot of pressure to just go to the mound and and not having practiced and and done it before, throw a perfect strike, which I know that MLB fans really tend to enjoy. But I think I would have done better than this. There's not a lot of times in the yeah. world that I could say I would have done something athletic better than Travis Kelsey, but this was like a D plus. The only reason I don't give it an F is because it did land in the vicinity of the batter's box eventually, but my God, uh, he, he, he got, he had to, to want that one back, Steve. It was so bad that Patrick Mahomes quote tweeted it twice. <laughs> like, yes. on two separate occasions. Yes. Um, man, I'm going to assume that Travis Kelsey being the alien athlete that he is did not practice that whatsoever. No, like, no, just went out there, assumed like I am a, a god amongst men uh, in, well, he's, in, in he, any sport. And he's a former quarterback. He's a former quarterback, and before practice, the tight ends throw the balls to each other. So it's not like he's never throwing anything, right? Like, but also, if, if you're nervous about it at all, or you're doing something like that, and I've never thrown out a first pitch, so I, I can't speak to this, but you can't go up there looking to like throw heat either. Like, you no, just got to no. get it across home plate. 
And especially when you know Patrick Mahomes, former pitcher, uh, former baseball player, could have been drafted in Major League Baseball or or even was, like, you know he's going to crush you for it. You know your teammates are going to crush you for it. I just think... I think Travis thought he could just go up there and it would be a laser right down the middle because he's Travis Kelsey and did not even try to attempt practicing that throw. Well, he's on such a tear right now where, you you know, you think about how relevant he's just become even transcending football or why shouldn't he think that (laughs) like everything he's been doing this off season has magically turned to gold. It's not often that you just see someone for their first time doing anything acting wise. I know he had that other, space thing but that again was something where you have multiple takes and, and whatnot goes on saturday night lives kills it the podcast is doing well he's going to be heavily involved in the nfl draft wednesday night he's doing the new heights live podcast which we have information on our site and then on friday he's doing um the kelsey jam which i know has become already very popular here in, in kansas city uh, so why not i i think he went up with no practice and he unfortunately learned the hard way that that baseball and, and pitching has has its intricacies. But Patrick Holmes, in one of the tweets, as you mentioned, Steve, asked that the K give him another opportunity. And, uh, and they're obviously going to. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. They're going to be what? 10 and 10 and 27 in a couple weeks here. So they're going to have to get people to the to the ballpark somehow. YouTube TV announced price points for out of town Chiefs fans. And it is uh, it's not cheap, Steve. The the NFL Sunday ticket is going to YouTube uh, TV and there are discounted prices. If you had already belonged to YouTube TV, two hundred and forty nine dollars with a YouTube TV subscription, three hundred and forty nine dollars without one. What do you make of this? Um, I think it's insane that they left direct tv which it was already expensive with direct tv and went to youtube tv and now it somehow costs even more (laughs) like just to be able to watch out of market nfl games which is insane and it's a real bummer because we even have people here at arrowhead pride who you know don't live in kansas city but are you know just as big a chiefs fans as anybody that lives in kansas city and it makes it difficult for them to just be able to do their jobs when the Chiefs aren't playing on national TV. And that being said, they don't have a ton of games that don't wind up being on national TV these days. So it, yeah. it helps out. But it's just a crazy price point. And as somebody who has YouTube TV, I'm not going to sign up for that. I'll just pay for Red Zone so I can kind of keep tabs on other games, which is what I generally do anyways. But if it was reasonably priced, I would consider paying that just to have the access to it, but not at those prices. I don't I, I don't understand really what they're doing there because that's a model that could make the NFL a lot more money if they made it more affordable to everyday consumers. And apparently they're just not interested in doing that. We've come back full circle and and this is a little bit of Pete soapbox time, not really having to do with editor shows. So fast forward about 45 seconds, but. <laughs> This idea of subscriptions and how you essentially need to be subscribed to everything has made the old school give me that cable box for a hundred bucks and include all the, the stuff more reasonable now. Somehow we've come all the way back around to where it just makes more sense to put all these things in a in a package. I do have YouTube TV. I'm I'm probably going to bite the bullet and pay for this because on days where the chiefs are early or late, I like to have access to watch the games, whether it be relevant to Kansas city or maybe just something I'm interested. I, you know, we were talking about other NFLs, but it, 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 the, the price is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous price to ask for. And, and, you know, I, I, it's not my fault, but I apologize on behalf of the league to all of you out of town chiefs fans who, I know right now in the golden age of Chiefs football are going to have to find a way to to pay for this because I know you're not going to want to miss those few games. And you're right, Steve, because they are on, on national TV a, a lot. Those few games that don't land on on national TV. Well, and, you know, I know that it, it's like a one time thing. You pay that and you have the season or whatever. But it's like you know, if you're already paying eighty five dollars a month for your YouTube TV subscription and that like includes Red Zone and whatever else you want to include into it which is, I think that's around what I pay. 
then you're also asking me, even if I already have a YouTube TV subscription to pay all of that money just to have access to NFL games. I just don't. And it's it's a it's the one area where the NFL, I feel like they've just fumbled this over and over again. Instead of if you charge, you know, a hundred dollars for the entire season or whatever, I feel like you would triple the amount of people that would sign up for it. So in the long term, you wind up making more money because of more people are willing to spend the money on it instead of only having a few people who have enough disposable income to justify spending $400 on NFL football games just to watch them. Yeah. I've always said you need to be working at NFL headquarters, Steve, because you, (laughs) you have the right ideas to keep the shield moving into the future. All right. That's your chief's news roundup. When we come back, it's a, a segment on, on what they're saying, what, some of the bigger names as far as newsbreakers and draft analysts are saying about the NFL and otherwise regarding your Kansas City Chiefs. That's next right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, hanging with our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer extraordinaire, Stephen Serta. John Dixon out, but hoping everything will be well and he'll, he'll be back in the mix next week. We had our latest Mel Kuyper draft. It's amazing that Mel Kuyper is still doing this, Steve. How old do you think Mel Kuyper is? 67. 62. That was a pretty good guess. I was thinking more along the lines of what you were saying. He's not as old as I think. If you think about how long he's been doing this, that's quite impressive. But he ended up having a two-round mock for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll read them to you quickly, Steve. First, at 31, he has Iowa State edge Will McDonald the fourth. The stat that Kuyper loves the most, his 10 career fumbles. He gets to quarterbacks and also understands how to create turnovers. McDonald is an explosive player with a high ceiling. The Super Bowl champs could add him to the edge rotation as Karloftis and and free agent Charles Amenahu are now in the mix. And then, as Kuyper's mentioned before, uh, keep Kansas City in mind for a wideout in this class. And then he picks a wideout for them with pick overall 63. It is wide receiver Marvin Mims Jr. of Oklahoma. Mims averaged more than 20 yards per reception in each of the past two seasons. He has a flair for the spectacular. Though some concentration drops, Steve, we call those uh, Demetrius Harris's here on this show. <laughs> he ran a 4.38 second 40 yard dash at the combine, so he can blow by almost any cornerback. He wouldn't have to carry a huge load as a rookie for KC, but there are plenty of open snaps for receivers who can get open. Steve, would you be happy with an edge rusher and a wide receiver with the first two picks? Yeah, I think I would be, but I'd still be worried about what they're going to do at tackle, which I think is the more important position of need at this point. But I think edge is a close second because you still need another body there. You still need another uh, pass rusher that you can develop. And hopefully you find somebody who can be productive that you can build on with George Karloftis from last year. And then all of a sudden you've got two young edge players that you can kind of build around. And you've got Charles Menehu for a couple of years, who's a versatile player who can move inside and outside. Um, I think that's really important. And I think the Chiefs don't want to have a situation like they did a few years ago in the Super Bowl where the offensive line falls apart. So I would rather them put towards high end draft capital on the offensive line just to make sure that they have it totally shored up because the interior of their offensive line is so good already. Yeah, Joan Taylor, you get another tackle and then you're starting to feel good about your offensive line depth. Um, 
the wide receiver position, I, I think I know Marvin Mims is a guy who has been kind of climbing up people's draft boards. And so he, he might be a guy that's there. He might be, he might go a little bit earlier than that, but he definitely fits the chief's profile. And I'd be interested in that. It's just that him being a smaller wide receiver uh, again, doesn't really uh, address the type of wide receiver that they probably need because they've already got a lot of guys that are like that. They've already got some smaller guys and, I know MVS is a bigger wide receiver, but like I already mentioned on the show, we know exactly who MVS is. Like you're, you're not going to get a yeah. ton out of him on a weekly basis. Our deputy editor, John Dixon has done a really nice job keeping track of the mocks. And right now we have edge rusher at 40% wide receiver at 19% offensive line at 19% before it tapers off with the other positions. That's as far as first round picks and the mocks uh, around the country. And I'm going to move this up in our, our rundown, Steve, because it's relevant to the receiver thing that you were just talking about. Jim Nagy, not to be confused with offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, Jim Nagy. This is the man who runs the senior bowl and the senior bowl is important, especially in Kansas city, because this regime really loves guys that come out of the senior bowl. I, I think they use it as a, a very important tool when they're building their boards and, and evaluating the draft. This is what Nagy said on Twitter on Monday. One thing has become clear on calls around the league the past couple of weeks, the NFL, isn't nearly as high on this year's wide receiver class as the media frequently seeing four to five wideouts in mocks have spoken to numerous teams that have only one first round grade at the position. So what this may tell you, if you believe this smoke is that maybe the chiefs keep their number 31 pick, take a best player available. And maybe the move up comes from 63 into like the 30s or 40s, which actually would probably be better in the long run for Kansas City. So maybe it's it's something we have backwards where maybe we thought that the Chiefs might have to trade up in the first round for one of these elite wide receivers, uh, and, and it ends up being opposite that, Steve. Yeah, and I, I do think there is something to that. Like there... It, it, but it could go both ways with the wide receiver group where, um, you know, if you look at anybody who is well in tune with all of this draft stuff, like they'll tell you that it's a weak wide receiver draft class. There's no guys that are like, you're like, that guy is undoubtedly a wide receiver one in the NFL. Like he is a superstar in the right situation, stuff like that. But it could go both ways where if teams are kind of overvaluing it and they reach, then it could kind of lead to a cascade of guys going earlier than you think they do, or it could go the opposite. And so there is something to that. And I think that's perfect for the Chiefs because if it goes one way or the other, even at different positions, you'll see them kind of find that value and try to find their spot to try to move up where they can, like they did last year for Trent McDuffie. They didn't think McDuffie was going to be there. He winds up being there and you're able to move up without giving up an insane amount of draft picks to do so. And so I think those are the kinds of trade ups that they're looking for, whether it be uh, again, like in the, you know, 17 to 25 range or something like that, or in that early second round where you can kind of package some of those picks and, and do it for, you know, later to mid round draft picks as opposed to having to give up, you know, a first round pick in the future to move up to the top 10 or something like that. That's not, that's not where the value lies for the chiefs. And I think that they know that. I, I think that Brett Veach is getting pretty good at, at playing this draft day trade game. Yeah. And like to Mark's point and, and being so excited about sky Moore, I, I, I think Moore's going to have a great opportunity now that the room has opened up for him a little bit. And I, I just don't think we've seen what the ceiling is for sky Moore yet, by the way, the one first round grade that most of these GMs have according to Nagy is Ohio state receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I don't think he's making it to Kansas city and I don't think he's making it anywhere close to where they're the first wide receiver off the board. Yeah. I don't think he's making it to anywhere where they can even trade up. So I, I think it's one of those other positions of need trading up. I still feel like they're trading up in the first round. I think it's one of those other positions of need in the first round, be it, tackle steve as you sort of alluded to or edge and then they are again strategic in that second round trying to figure out okay how can we get another receiver with upside in the room for patrick mahomes and i i think they're going to be keeping who they're interested in close to the vest so that he you know is available uh, potentially in that range 
going to Sports Illustrated now as we wrap up, what they're saying, Albert Breer was asked about Chris Jones and a possible extension um, with the Chiefs. Is that no longer happening? Jones has gone on record with a couple things, not only making fun of Tyreek Hill, he's also said that he's going to be the MVP this year. And at some point this offseason, too, he has said he doesn't want to play for another team other than the Chiefs. Here's what Breer said. I certainly wouldn't say an extension is no longer happening. I think this negotiation, like a lot of them, is probably backburnered until after the drafts. Could still see the Chiefs adding a veteran receiver over the next couple of weeks, and there could be an extra need or two to be dressed coming out of the draft. And all that can affect how you'd structure a big deal like Jones's promises to be. Chris Jones is in a really good spot. The post-Frank Clark Chiefs need him. He's still 28 years old. He's better than defensive tackles that have gotten between 20 million and 25 million this offseason. There's the Aaron Donald deal out there too, um, for sure. So Jones, who is smart to limit his deal in 2020 to four years, will get another bite of the apple. It has been a bread feach thing where you don't sign an extension that leads a player into his 30s or sign a player after that window, unless they are undeniable. Right. They wanted to do it with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek wasn't willing to come to what the Chiefs estimated to be what they thought to be a a fair amount, fair compensation for him. Uh, But they have figured out deals with someone like Travis Kelsey, who has been so important, so productive. And I think there is a window. I think there is an agreement that Chris Jones and the Chiefs can come to. And this makes a lot of sense to me. Because until you have the NFL draft, until you feel like you've done everything you can to possibly fill out other positions of need and free agency, you really don't know how much money you need for this year to sign draft picks, to have money left over, to have cap. So I think this makes a lot of sense where the Chiefs get through the draft, they reset in a way, you know, kind of get back to zero, and then you start to address, all right, how the hell are we going to fit a well-deserved Aaron Donald like deal for Chris Jones. And this is another thing to remember. It's going to have to be at a, at a, at a price point. The chiefs feel like they can still maintain flexibility. It's going to be a very interesting negotiation. Um, I have been pessimistic about Jones in the past, but there's just a feeling around this that gives me slight optimism because, you know, I, I truly do believe that Jones wants to be here and might be more willing to work with the Chiefs this time around and by extension his representation, Steve. Yeah, and for the Chiefs, it just doesn't, like the versatility that they've shown over the last couple of years in their pass rush, like it doesn't work without Chris Jones. Like this whole this whole thing doesn't work without Chris Jones. And so I'm in favor of paying him. I think he is that special of a player and and it even took me a while to, you know, come around to that and to fully commit to it because he has been kind of inconsistent in the past, but the last 2 years he's been playing at the highest level of his career. Like he is a a bona fide game changer, like he is the difference maker in the middle of that defense and he deserves to be paid like Aaron Donald. Like I, I know Aaron Donald has considered retirement and maybe he's not going to be back. We'll kind of see what happens with the Rams, but you know, Chris Jones is the second best defensive tackle in the NFL. And I think he even separated himself a, a little bit last season compared to everybody else. And so he deserves to get that money. And I think Jeffrey Simmons, who just signed uh, an extension with the Titans, I think it's around like 25 or $26 million a year. That's what Chris Jones is going to want. Like Chris Jones, if he's looking well, for 27, 28, like that's what, that's what it's going to cost to keep him in Kansas city. This is where Chris Jones and Tyree Kill differ from Orlando Brown. The Chiefs said to Orlando Brown, here's what we're offering you. It's a good deal. If you think you can go get better, go get better elsewhere. Orlando Brown couldn't get better elsewhere. He ended up having to take still a very lucrative deal, right? We'd all love the amount of money that Orlando Brown got, but it's not as much as he would have got with the Chiefs, not as much security as he would have got with the Chiefs. Jones, again, more like Hill, is a player who is going to get whatever he wants in the realm of whatever he wants elsewhere. So it's whether or not the Chiefs can come to the table, whether or not they can all agree on making sure that he is a, a Chiefs player for life. And I I also think it, it's worth mentioning to take Chris Jones saying that with a grain of salt. I think 
a lot of players in bury me a royal fashion want to end careers in certain places and it just never ends up happening freaking jamal charles was a jaguar and a bronco unfortunately Derek johnson was a raider for a half a second right like you hope that these things things happen but this could also be an another scenario where the chiefs say you know we think you're an, an excellent player here's what we want to offer you and who knows at that stage jones may say i want to be a free agent i want to go get as much money as possible and they have that in in their right i think this is a different scenario because i i think that he is the best defensive tackle in the nfl steve uh i think he has certainly that upside and i think that he can maintain that for still a couple more years. This will be a very interesting contract to see what it ends up paying, how long it pays, what are the outs in a way for the chiefs when he does turn 31 or 32. And we saw, you know, recently the Broncos trade Von Miller away and now he's kind of just bouncing around in this, like, and now he's with the bills for the next year or two, but like, you know, kind of this like mercenary style, like I'm going to go win rings but it's different with Chris Jones because at that time, like the Broncos are going through a rebuild. They're, they're going through organizational shifts, ownership shifts, like everything top to bottom. The chiefs aren't in that. Like the chiefs are still in, we can win super bowls for the foreseeable future, which is why you sign a player like Chris Jones, because he could, he still has enough left in the tank to be a significant part of that for at least like three or four more years. We will see. I think that again is 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 right. Breer is right in saying that that's probably at least a month or so away. We have our flash poll again. The NFL draft coming you the last weekend of this month in Kansas City. I asked you, Chiefs fans living in KC, do you plan to attend this month's NFL draft at Union Station? And nearly a thousand Chiefs fans weighed in. Steve, no, actually was number one. Kind of surprising. Thirty nine percent point three. Right behind it, though, was yes at 38.7% and then undecided 22%. So if half those undecided people end up saying yes, so let's add, look look at this math I'm about to do. That's 11 is half of 22%. And we add that to the yes, which is 38.7%. That ends up being 49.7%. So about half the city will go up to the draft at some point potentially yeah and I, I think those people who said no are liars um you like think I, they're you think they're gonna go anyway yes because as somebody this will be my third nfl draft um you're, you're a veteran it's it's a big party it's fun and these aren't things that are always easy for you to just go to and so there's going to be a lot of people that are in from out of town that are coming. There's going to be a lot of people that come from surrounding states to go because it's a cool thing and it's fun to go check out and and do. And like when I went in Nashville a couple of years ago, it was just a massive party for three days. Like everybody was just going nuts. And I think it'll be kind of similar here, but it's also like a family event. And it Steve, are you a little, were, you, were, you, were you a little were you a little tipsy on the clock for 610 Sports Radio? Not live on the air, but we definitely got hammered multiple nights. We were in Nashville, um, but not on the air. There was a lot of stuff happening night one uh, of that NFL draft. Uh, that was it's when the Chiefs drafted McCole Hardman. Um, mm. Oh, but, right. So that was a special time in Kansas. But City no, sure. I, I think there's going to be a lot. And I understand why people are saying it. I've got my questions about the infrastructure here in Kansas City and about parking and and Ubering and, and all of that stuff. But it's going to be fun and it's something that, you know, you don't know when this is going to happen again here, if it will happen again here or, or how long it could be. So it's something you should participate in. It's something you should go check out. It's definitely uh, something in, in the United States where all eyes are going to be on Kansas city. And I, I seen a lot when it comes to soccer and, and showing P and L and how awesome that is when, the U S women's or men's national teams are really relevant and, and involved that they show Kansas city, but this is just another opportunity for the city to, to continue to, to grow. I think it's very cool that the, the city's going to be on a, a national showcase. We're going to have Steve and crew down there at union station. I will be, I'll be grinding away at Arrowhead seeing how, how coach Reed and, and Brett beach and some of the staff members feel about these picks, but it, it should be a great weekend in, in KC. Uh, Steve, I, I got to tell you, I, I know that, you felt like you might be rusty, but you were 
you were clicking on all cylinders today, filling in for for John Dixon. I I thank you for 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 taking that that really, I I I would say it a tough chair, tough shoes to fill when you have to fill in for Big John. I do what I can. Um, I don't ask me any cap questions because I'm certainly not going to have the answers for you. If you notice, there were no cap cap <laughs> cap things on the rundown today. We 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 steered clear. We'll bring back up Dion Bush's contract. Uh, next week Look, what a tease i mean if you if you weren't coming back before now that you know we're going to talk about Dion bush's contract i know you'll be listening to next week editor show but i said it thank you to steve if you like the airhead pride editor show if you like the airhead pride podcast network please go on to apple itunes leave us a rating and a review we will read it right here on the arrowhead pride editor show i've been saying it in recent shows will be this off season so deal with me you can get a dynasty begins right now it's at my twitter twitter.com slash pg sween i have the link pinned if you want to remember the 2022 championship season of your Kansas City Chiefs and I you know I said it if you bring that book to training camp and you really want want a signature happy to do it when I when I see you. I really appreciate everyone that is uh is is leaning into that project and I again I I thank you on that um we will see John Dixon back next week thank you again Steve this has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor show my name is Pete Sweeney have a great day.